I want to welcome you into New Day Online if you're just tuning in. The cool thing about online church is people uh, tune in at all different times. And so I want to say thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you that you're with us in this moment. We are so excited about what God is doing today here at New Day. And I want to preach to you a message today entitled, The Secret to Healthy Relationships. If you want to know the secret to healthy, healthy relationships, then drop that in the chat, right? <laughs> or if you think relationships can be hard, put that in the chat right now. Relationships can be hard. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 today. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 3 through 11 today here as a community. And the reason why we want to preach this sermon today is because right now as a church, we have a vision for the fall. And we don't know at the moment what in-person gatherings are going to look like or even if we open up, how many people are going to feel comfortable coming to a room. And so our plan is that, you know, we don't have to be in one big group to be the church. That actually the church biblically, originally, uh, one of the places they met was in homes and in small groups. And so our vision for the fall is we're going to be a church of community groups, a church of smaller house churches that meet in all different neighborhoods in the city for community. And so we're calling for all of our people and anyone watching this to consider walking in community with us as New Day. A lot of people right now don't feel comfortable going to a gathering with hundreds of people, but they feel comfortable with 10 reasonable people with good measures in place. And so we are passionate about that in the season. And one of the reasons for that is because whenever we started New Day, Less than a year ago, which is crazy, by the way, it's been, you know, an interesting year to become a new church for a new day, which it is a new day, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, it's a very new day. But we had this passion for a church that felt like a, a real family. And so often in the church, what happens is we'll say the church is not a building or the church is not a service. But if the only time we ever get together is at the building for the service, then we feel like maybe that's confusing to the world. And so we had a passion to see church uh, to be seen just as in the living room as it is in the sanctuary. And yet what's interesting is this season is a moment where really God is calling us to really live that out because that's the main way that we're going to gather this fall. And so uh, we have in-person groups, we have online groups, but a lot of our groups are probably going to be meeting in person in safe ways. And so that is going to be our in-person element and so we're going to gather together, we're going to do life together. And yet, as, as wonderful as that sounds, and as wonderful as, as different relationships can often sound, like marriage and other things, I think the problem is, is that we long for community and relationships, but they can be hard. And a lot of times, which, you know, relationships are supposed to be the most like life-giving parts of our life. They can become often the most dysfunctional or the painful part of our lives when our relationships don't work as they should. And I think if 2020 has shown us anything, it is that isolation is not the future. And though gathering online is good, it's not totally the future because we're all sensing this, long, this longing to gather together as a people. And so we, we are desperate for a community, but the problem so often is that whenever we get into community or we get into marriages or we get into relationships, we long for it, but then we get into it and it's difficult and we have a tendency maybe to, to back out of it or maybe just to accept that relationships are just dysfunctional by nature or my marriage is just going to be mediocre or my church community is just going to be mediocre and we kind of accept something lesser than what God created us for. And yet whoever's watching this, I want to declare over your life today, God did not 
create us for mediocre relationships, for mediocre marriages, for mediocre community groups. See, God is a secret to healthy relationships, and it's, it's not really a secret, but the problem is we ignore it so often that it might as well be a secret. And my favorite passage in the Bible for how to have healthy relationships is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me at this time. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11. I'm going to read this for us today because this is the secret to healthy relationships. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, he says this to them. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, yet emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. May God bless the reading of this word today. As we dive into this passage uh, this morning, what I think is interesting about this, just to give you a little bit of context to what Paul is writing here in Philippians, is um, Paul writes in the New Testament to a lot of different kinds of churches and a lot of different kinds of situations. And Maybe you've read the book of Corinthians and you can tell that that church has a lot of issues, right? A lot of crazy stuff happening there. And so Paul is kind of calling them out for that and calling them to godliness. And yet what is interesting about the book of Philippians is this church was considered to be a relatively healthy church. Of all the churches that uh, Paul writes to, this is the church that is expected to be maybe the healthiest. And yet that's so telling that a church that is generally pretty healthy and might have it together to a degree that he's writing to them about how to have healthy relationships because no matter who you are, what your life has been like, what your circumstances are, relationships can be incredibly difficult. And yet that's why God gives us this word today. And so I want to do something a little bit different today. I want to start with the second half of this passage and then end with verses 3 and 4. So let's look at verses 5 through 11 first, and I'm going to finish with verses 3 through 4. Because I think verses 5 through 11 are, are really the substance of what Paul is saying today. It's the theological substance for the secret to healthy relationships. And essentially what, what Paul says in a very gospel-centered and theological way is that when you really know Jesus, you know how relationships really work. That when you really know Jesus and who he really is, that you know how relationships work. Paul roots healthy relationships in our relationship with Jesus. He says this in verse 5. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, he says, in Christ Jesus. And what's important to note right here, we have this theory at New Day. And our theory is this, is that most people, even in America, do not know what Christianity is. And it's a problem because most people think they know what Christianity is. And I can prove this to you. 
You can go ask anyone, especially people outside of the church, and you say, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or what is Christianity about? I do this all the time. I talk to people all the time. And, and very rarely do they really know what it is. And so they'll, they'll say things like, oh, well, being a Christian is about uh, going to church. It's like, okay, that's important, but that's not really the core. It's about being a, a religious person or, or being a more moral and a better person. And that's, that's a good thing, right? But that's not really at the core, the core confession. It's like, well, maybe it's about voting a certain way in elections. Maybe it's about something that we do. Maybe it's about serving the poor. And even if it's really good things, right, they're always maybe the outworkings of what Christianity is and not really the core of what it is. See, Christianity is, is not really a, a religion. Jesus says he came to bring a gospel or meaning good news. Christianity is, is a message at its core. Christianity is a belief that the world is broken and sinful, which I think we can all admit that. We, we're seeing that. That we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That we all sin. That we're all broken. And yet the way the world gets made new is that our loving God came into the world his name was Jesus, right? So when you see Jesus, you see God. Jesus was God. And yet when he came into the world, he was this king, but he didn't set up like an earthly throne, right? He didn't um, create some kind of empire that was like a normal earthly empire. What Paul says here is in verse 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, he goes on to say in verse 8, And being found in human form, Jesus, who was God, humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross, which was the most shameful way to die. And so the message of Christianity is that Jesus, who is God, loves us and has died for us. And that we are made new. That we are made new in every single way because of our faith in him. That it's not about what we do for God. We, we do things for God because we love him and want to serve him. But ultimately, he has accomplished the work for us on the cross. And when you discover the gospel, when you discover the truth of Christianity and what it really is, it saves you from your sin, but it also inspires you in all of your life, including your relationships. And that is why Paul says here in this moment, he says, this is yours in Christ Jesus, meaning when you know who Jesus really is, then you will know how relationships really work. See, the reality is that beliefs determine behavior. Right now I'm here preaching this to a camera because I had a belief when I woke up this morning that this building was here and that we were shooting a service, and if I did not believe that, I would not be here right now. Every, every behavior you have comes from some belief you have somewhere. You're watching this right now because you believed you could watch it. You got on your phone because you believed it worked, right? We have beliefs, and so the reality is, is all of our behavior is determined by our beliefs, and so if we have dysfunctional relationships, or if we're selfish, or if things are not going well, the question is always, what is the belief that is leading to that dysfunctional behavior? And for too long as a culture, we have settled for secular, godless, selfish beliefs as if that's not going to change the way that we interact with each other. And we kind of don't realize the logical conclusion that if you believe your life is meaningless and you come from nowhere and there's no point and God doesn't love you because maybe God isn't even there. If we're just like random forms of evolutionary matter in the universe with, with no purpose, 
then like that's going to change how you live. And we have these like crazy, depressing, and meaningless worldviews, and then we want these thriving, loving, self-giving relationships, and it is impossible. For too long, we, we've not realized how that kind of godless, secular thinking, there is no motivation, there is no inspiration for a healthy, thriving relationship. If we teach our children that they're just random pieces of matter in the universe and we happen to just be born at the same time, and then we're like, go do great things in the world and go love people and go give your life for people. They're like, why? What's the point? And if there is no right and wrong, then what's the point? If, if there's no morality, there's no truth, if your truth is your truth, then, then what is the virtue in me loving you or caring for you? See, beliefs determine behaviors, and yet Thank God that isn't true. Literally, thank God that isn't true because his word tells us what is true. That there is a God. And he's not only real, but he loves you. And he's good at all times. And he came into the world and he died to you, as Paul says, taking the form of a servant and died for us on the cross in a way that renews us in this life. And when you begin to believe that God loves you that much, it changes every single thing about your life. When God loves you that much, when God would die for you, right? When, when, when two people are realizing that God died for them, that he loves them and has a plan and purpose for their life, two people that are growing towards Jesus together in his love and his service will have a healthy and a life-giving relationship. I know we live in a uh, divided time, and it seems like nowadays people can't agree on just about anything, but I would argue there's still one thing that everybody can agree on today, even in this crazy world, and it's that Chick-fil-A, which is like, where's it going with this, right? Chick-fil-A has the best customer service of any fast food restaurant today and ever, Okay. Someone amen in the chat for me. So, drop your favorite Chick-fil-A order in the chat for me. I better see some sweet tea in there. I better see some waffle fry posts in there. I love Chick-fil-A, but I don't just love Chick-fil-A because it's, it's delicious. I love it because every time you go there, you feel like you are the most important person in the world. And you know it's true. And I can prove it to you. You have never heard someone say, no offense to these places, that man, Taco Bell, they know how to treat you right. You never hear that. Nobody's ever said that. No one has ever said, man, Burger King, they treat you right. When I go to Burger King, has anyone ever held the door open for you at Burger King ever, right? And that's okay. That's not their business model. But, like, it's just different. Like, you know, like, like Popeye's, like, they have a good chicken sandwich, too. I will say it, it's up there. It's not Chick-fil-A, but it's up there. It, it was really good. I don't know if they're still selling them anymore, right? But it's just different. Like, you go to Chick-fil-A, and, like, you're, you're walking up, and, like, so, like, one of the employees opens the door for you, and, like, they hand you a balloon. And you're like, I want a balloon. And you have this like balloon that you're walking in with and they guide you to the line because it's so packed and that you can't find the line. And then you go to the line and, and somehow it's just like long line, but it moves faster than the short lines at all the other places. And you get through and you go to the register and the person is so nice and they're so helpful. And then you go sit down and it's a fast food restaurant and yet they bring you your food at a fast food restaurant. That's like unheard of. And you don't have to tip them. It's amazing. And then if that wasn't enough, they come by, and you know this is true, and they ask 50 different times if they can refill your cup. 
and like who could drink that much? But the crazy thing is, is they're always asking to refill your cup and you don't really need a refill, but you let them get your refill because you have this sense that they will be happier in their life if you allow them to refill your cup. So you don't need it, but it's like, I just, I feel like you love to serve, okay? So I'm going to let you serve me. And of course, they're always saying, my pleasure. And yet what is interesting is, is as much as we love Chick-fil-A, I, I don't think they're better people than other people. They're trained. There's a value. They're, they're trained to operate in that way. And it's also not a coincidence that their, their late founder was a devout follower of Jesus. It still blows my mind. They're closed on Sundays to this day and still killing it. Because, listen, whenever you know Jesus, you know how relationships really work. The most important thing we can do for all of our relationships is to walk with Jesus personally. Two people or a community group or a church that is growing towards Jesus will be growing towards love for one another. When we know who he really is and what he's really done, it will change every relationship. When we invite Jesus into our relationships, his love and his service, it will change everything. And so let's finish today with verses 3 and verses 4. If you have your Bible, uh, feel free to turn there with me. I want to finish with these verses because they're really the practical application of what we're talking about today. In verse 3, Paul says, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And so he's looking at relationships right now and he's speaking these words. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so here is a secret to healthy relationships. If you're taking notes, write this down. The secret of healthy relationships is mutual service. A healthy relationship is a relationship in which everybody involved says, I exist to serve. Dysfunctional relationships are where people are focused on what they're getting. And thriving relationships are relationships modeled after Christ where we're loving and serving each other. And I know this personally because this passage right here um, almost single-handedly transformed my marriage. Uh, when we first had kids a few years back, my wife and I, we'd had a pretty good, stable marriage and fight a lot. And then we had our first kid. And you don't realize they say how selfish you are until you have kids. And that's like true times like infinity. And all of a sudden we started to argue more and to fight more. And, and then what happens when you start doing those kinds of things is it becomes all about like, we feel like I'm not getting what I need and I gotta keep lecturing you on what I need and all my thoughts and stuff. And you don't get it, you know? And I, let me explain it to you one more time. And we have like what I call the cul-de-sac arguments. We, oh, we're gonna do this again. We're just gonna keep going around and around and around. It's like the greatest hits in your marriage. You know, it's like work or it's the kids or it's how you don't clean up enough. It's the, it's the greatest hits. And God spoke a lot of passages over my life in that season. And yet this is the number one I kept coming back to over and over again. See what Paul says here, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant. So, so selfish ambition and conceit are off the table for us. We can never live that way. And we, we can never enter a relationship that way. 
He says that, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. So focus on other people. Then verse four says, look, look each of you not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so in our marriage, our role is to serve and to love. And in our friendships, our role is to serve and to love. And as you sign up for a community group in this season, you are showing up not just to receive from other people, but it's eight to 10 to 12 people gathering together saying, we're all here to serve each other. See, I think why this is so important is because the same way that the secret to healthy relationships that God gives us is service is that Satan has his own secret. I talk to so many people and I think this is the secret and I wanna to explain to you just really quick kind of why this doesn't work. Allow me to be like the enemy, right? And here's Dustin. He's our wonderful, faithful worship leader, loves people, loves Jesus. And yet Justin is, or, or uh, Dustin, not Justin, Dustin, is a human like everybody else. And what happens is the enemy comes up, I'll be the enemy, and he kind of taps on my shoulder, what's up, man? Playing some guitar? Yeah, no, no you're talking to me. Hey, man, listen, I know all this stuff about like loving and serving people. Like, come on, you really buy into that? You, you really think that's legit? Come on, man, like, like you be the king. And, and let everyone else in your life serve you, okay? It'll be, it'll be our little secret, okay? Just me and you, right? Let them serve, but then you just focus on yourself and, and tell everyone what you need, okay? Like, like, let that be the center, okay? So it'll be our little secret, right? And so now Dustin and I have this little secret, right? And he thinks, oh man, it's gonna be all about me. I'm gonna be the king, okay? I'm gonna be the center. It's gonna be all about me. Yet the enemy is a deceiver. And, and the reason why this doesn't work is because what we don't realize is the enemy's telling that to everybody. And so he thinks now that maybe Sarah on the worship team is going to serve him, but then he's coming over here, hey, Sarah, what's up? Doing good? Graduated college? Congratulations. Congratulations. Hey, all this service stuff, you know, about loving other people and caring for other people, like, that ain't the way to real happiness. Just live for yourself. Live for yourself. Do you. Do your thing. And listen, if it ain't going good for you, just leave, okay? So everyone else is going to be serving and loving and giving. And, and, and you're gonna be focused on yourself, okay? And he's having the same conversation with him. And he's having the same conversation with him. And he's having the same conversation with me. And he's having the same conversation for you. And so what the enemy does is he convinces everybody to be a king. And it kind of sounds good, right? That I'm gonna be the king. It's all about me. Life is all about me. My marriage is all about me. But the problem is, is that if everybody is a king, then nobody gets served. If there's two kings in a marriage, you have a dysfunctional marriage. And yet the secret of service and the word of God right here is that if everyone's a king, nobody gets served. But if everybody is a servant, then everybody gets served. If everybody is a servant, then everybody has hundreds of people around them to love them and to serve them. And listen, we can't be the king because there's one king and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only king. And he's the servant king. And he came into the world to die on the cross for you and for me. And we can trust him because he's the good king. He's the selfless king. And now we exist to serve him. There's only one king. 
And so we get to live our lives and our relationships as servants together. And if I commit to serve, and if you commit to serve, and if your spouse commits to serve, and if your friend commits to serve, and if your community group gets to serve, then we all have the people loving us and caring for us in the ways that we need. As we sing this last song here in a moment, I just know right now there's some conversations that need to be had. There's some friendships that are kind of broken right now in this moment, and you need to go talk to that person. And you need to say, hey, listen, can we bring Jesus back to the center of this relationship? What would that look like? How can I serve you? I know right now there's some marriages that need to have some very serious conversations. And say, listen, what does it look like to make Jesus the center of our relationship again? How can I serve you? Let's serve one another. Let's count each other more significant than ourselves. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus, you don't know how relationships really work. And so I'm gonna close here in a moment. And if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus and trust him with your life, I wanna encourage you to do that today. I'm gonna pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer with me, and if you mean it in your heart, then this is the way that we put our faith in Jesus. To have healthy relationships, we have to be forgiven of our sin. We have to be walking with Jesus in our life, and he has to be first. So this time, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. God, I come to you right now. I place my faith in you, Jesus. I confess my sins to you. I know I've fallen short of your glory, but thank you for forgiving me on the cross. I trust in you today. Thank you for saving me. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.